Welcome to Virtual Theater, the podcast all about video game movies and the stories that shape them. My name is Andy Spiteri, joined as always by Gooey Fame. Goo, how you doing? I'm doing pretty solid. Uh, just chilling on my day off. How are you? Uh, yeah, pretty much the same thing. Very busy weekend. Um, but yeah, enjoying this busy weekend and this beautiful fall weather. So yeah, I can't complain. And I'm very, very, very excited to talk about what we are here to talk about today. So I'm, I'm in a great mood, actually. Yes, it's uh, and you know, it's a little treat for you because it's well, it was your birthday. So <laughs> it was. Thank you to everybody that wished me happy birthday, by the way. Yeah, I had like happy belated. I had like so many people on on Discord, like wish me a happy birthday, like way more people in Discord than like real life people that I actually know. <laughs> <laughs> what does that say? I don't know what that says. I, probably maybe something good, maybe something bad. Yeah, you know. got a lot of a lot of people, a lot of people thinking about you. Uh, but yeah, so so thank you for that. And as you guys might remember, uh, we we treated ourselves to a little birthday present for for Goo's birthday uh, back a couple months ago, and we decided to cover a movie that was uh, not on the poll, but just one of Goo's favorite movies. That was John Wick. One of our better episodes, I think, and you guys should all go check it out in the virtual theater archives. But it's my birthday now, and by God, I picked something that I am very, very excited to talk about today. And Goo, unless I'm mistaken, I don't think we have anything else to get into before we start going here, do we? I will say I didn't I didn't alert you to this, but right like right before we were recording, I saw that they posted a little teaser for Monster Hunter. But it was kind of it was kind of disappointing because it's 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 mostly just like a like a 10 second clip where they like reveal like one of the monsters in it. And like Mila Jovovich is like, oh, my God, lock and load or something. You know, it's like it's not a whole trailer. So hopefully we get a real trailer soon. I can't wait to watch Resident Evil 8 with monsters. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be good. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully we'll know what's going on since we missed. We haven't seen the other ones. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. We we better like hurry up on our Resident Evil. Actually, we got a lot. Maybe we should just call an audible and have Resident Evil 3 come up pretty soon. No poll. I I am so excited to keep watching those. So I think maybe we need to do that because I bought the DVD for a buck and it's just like burning a hole upstairs. Oh, we gotta, we gotta. (laughs) All right. Well, today, by God, we are not covering a video game movie. We are covering a video game. Death Stranding. I am fucking jazzed to talk about this. I am so excited uh, because this is like, this is a video game, but a video game that wants to be a movie. And like, it's everything about it is casted like a movie. It's acted like a movie, but it's a video game. And it's, it's just, it's so bonkers. It's so wild. It's such a Hideo Kojima story that I am like, just pumped to be talking about this uh goo you you've recently just finished playing uh death stranding right yes yes i have wanted to play it for a while and then this was uh a great kind of motivator obviously and so yeah like i was playing it over the course of months as it got closer i was like okay i gotta 
do this for the for the pod so i spent like a weekend binging the rest of it and it was i had a blast <laughs> yeah man it uh, uh you know what i guess i was gonna wait to talk about this but let's just talk about it now what did you think of death stranding as a video game not like the story, not the acting, not the characters, but just as like an actual video well, I th- game. I think that's where it truly shines. I was actually going to say, to your point about it wants to be a movie, I think it also it's also very much a game, and I think it gets a lot of its points across better through, like, about what the story is about, like, through the gameplay of it, because it is so unique and so distinct. Um... It also kind of like reminded me of like the story structure of like a novel almost too, of the way the chapters are thrown at you and like yeah. them being about different characters. But yeah, as a game, I I really did love the experience, both the frustrations and like the victories. Yeah, so this it actually took me a while to to come on board. Like uh, Death Stranding didn't win me over right away. Um when I was playing the game I was just like, it was a little bit frustrating for me because like I was doing all the side content and like, so the the general gist of the game is you play as Sam Porter Bridges and you're basically like a FedEx driver, but there's no, due to the Death Stranding phenomenon, which we'll get into in a bit, you can't actually use vehicles very well to transport stuff. So you basically got to put it on your back and you got to go and you got to walk. And um, it, it can be very frustrating because the physics are like, pretty spot on where like you have to keep your weight right you have to balance all your stuff on your back properly um you have to like you have to do a lot of things in order to get from point a to point b and that's pretty much the gist of the game it's kind of centered around encumbrance like the mechanics but it's like really focused in on that it reminds me a little bit of like breath of the wild but if they explored like some of the annoying stuff like rain or like trying to climb stuff that is, or like your stamina that's normally like meant to be kind of to limit you. But in this, they're like, hey, what if that really annoying stuff like trying to cross a river was like the whole gameplay? And I really liked it because I really felt like they flushed it out in a way that was like interesting and challenging and satisfying to overcome. I, I agree. I agree. And it. it like I said, it didn't win me over right away, but like eventually when you finally make some of those deliveries and you're yeah. just like, oh God, like this is awesome. I, I did it. Um, especially, I like I think the game gets like significantly better the more that you play it. Yeah, um, it's by design the, too. Yeah. Well, like, so you can, like as you, as you play the game, you can get uh, access to like more structures. So you like, you can build bridges, you can put um, like ropes and stuff like that. You can, uh, you can make carriers to like carry more cargo. Um, You can do like lots of different things to make your life easier. And I I also think it just like, it took me a while to realize, like just let go. And like it, it, it's better to make two trips than to make one trip and just like have all your shit on your back. And like, you can't even go very fast. It took me a while to get to that point and realize that I had, I I should say I had like a sort of similar experience to you, but I started it and I was I was doing the first like delivery and I was just loving it. I was like, this game is just like walking. I'm like, this is awesome. (laughs) You know, I was like, I can. And I it was hard to not or as easy to not fall down because you could always just hold both. You could hold both straps and you'd always be balanced. 
I was like, okay, cool. But then I, I did text you at one point because I was so frustrated because I misunderstood a tutorial. And that's where I think the game was sluggish for me because on the UI, on the map and being confused by it. And so it, mm-hmm. it was unapproachable in that way. But then, yeah, as once I figured out that one thing, like, yeah, the game did become I actually didn't really have too much of an issue after that. And then I had a similar the just let go approach, but it was more of like I was like, OK, frustrating things are going to happen. And like it's and I started just kind of enjoying it. I'm like, just soak it all in, feel that experience and then power through and see what happens if things aren't ideal like that's okay so if your cargo gets all messed up or whatever it's like that's okay part of the game is problem solving so i i eventually was able to come at it like that too like okay if i gotta make two trips if i gotta like do go a different way that's fine if something doesn't work out like it's about kind of like finding a different way to do it yeah it's about adapting yeah um which one one other thing that I would like eventually was just like, okay, I'm going to let go is like, I was doing everything, like all the deliveries, like the side missions and stuff like that. And like, there was a point where it was frustrating to me. Like I, I went and did a delivery. I, I picked something a lot along the way. And like, you get to the point and it's like, fuck, now there's another delivery back to the exact same spot that I went. So I went back and it's like, fuck, now there's a delivery to the spot that I just came from again. And like, it uh-huh. never ended with all the deliveries. So it took me a while again too, but I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm, I'm just going to stick to the main story because the further in that I get in the main story, the more access I have to better equipment and like better ways of transporting stuff. And like, it's, it's, and it's just funner in the main story too. Like when you, like I, for me, when you're sneaking by all of the BTs or like in an enemy camp, like that is classic, like Kojima gameplay to me. And like, that was so fun, especially like the BTs. Um, and like, eventually you can kind of, you can fight them and combat them. Yeah. Uh, like I, uh, that was to me when like death stranding leveled up and was like, okay, like this is fucking awesome now. Like this is really fun. I, yeah, I really liked doing the stealth in the BT sections. Cause yeah, going through those areas and kind of like working your way through, like maybe you sever some of their, chords or like you blow a couple up like that would feel really good i had a bit harder a time with the like with the mule camps early on like the guys who want your cargo right. because i couldn't like i would be sneaking around their camps and i'd like okay get to a point where i want to like knock one out or whatever with a strand but then like his body would always get discovered and i couldn't figure out if you could like carry them could you carry like hide them I think so. I couldn't I mean, figure it out, but <laughs> eventually I got to the point where I got that sick gun that like tangles them up in the rope. Oh, yeah, and that I'll, was awesome. I was like, OK, I'm going to go in here. I'll like stealth one guy and then everyone else. Let all of them come to me. I'm wrapping all of them up. Oh, you're next. You're next. OK, you're 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 tangled up. OK, you. Yep, you're tangled up. So that was another one where it's like once I got that it like the game leveled up for me as well. Yeah, it's uh, like I, I'm the type of player that like I tried to do stealth for a little bit. But like the second I was just like, fuck, I'm going to be discovered. I was just like, all right, whatever. I'm just going to start punching and kicking. And I, that mostly worked for me. Um, I just really early on, there was like I, I see I see what I could have done now. There was one enemy like one enemy that like you couldn't just punch 
And so I was like, and it, the the mission I had to do involved getting something from their locker. And so right. like sometimes I could time it right where I could get into the locker before they hit me. But usually the game is kind of set up like the timing. So you can't really cheese it like that. Um, but I, I think I figured out later, you know, after I had I had cheesed it that I, you know, you can like throw packages at them. And I think that probably would have knocked the guy back, you know, yeah. so I, I, I think I overly struggled with that. But uh, again, that's where I kind of incorporated my like, you know what, it's OK, because I, I went into that camp with like full equipment and everything and I lost it all. But I'm like, that's OK, because these things are designed to be impermanent. And so, yeah, I, I mean, a lot of time you're just carrying around like metal or like iron or something like that, too, which is like very replaceable. Yeah. Well, even I thought everything was more. I didn't realize you could make stuff as easy early on. So like if I lost like, I don't know, my ladder, I was like, oh, God, I'm screwed, you know? <laughs> yeah. But you're constantly having to leave that stuff behind because you have to like warp to another location or like, you know. Oh, yeah. It's it's actually funny. Like the entire game kind of <laughs> reminded me of like. Resident Evil 4 when you're trying to fit all your shit into like your carrying case and oh stuff my God. like that. And I love that part. Of, I love that aspect of Resident Evil 4. Yeah. So I want to keep talking about the game for a second before we get into like the, the kind of movie-esque parts about it. But like, what did you think? I actually wasn't a fan of this. I'd be curious to see your take because I feel like you don't agree with me. Okay. I, I didn't I didn't like when you were like walking and like music started playing. It kind of took me out of the moment. It was I feel like it was usually like timed with something like I I usually liked it. Not that the music is something I would listen to, but as like scoring the game, I always thought it worked pretty well. Like when you're first doing the first delivery and you're coming down the mountain and it starts playing or like at the end when you're doing your final delivery of Lou and the music is you know, building up. I always thought like those kind of s- moments that were like meant to be cinematic, but it, uh, but it's really just you yeah. kind of walking. I always thought it was pretty cool. But you know what I think it was for me that just kind of killed it is like the music plays. That's fine. But like the, the title flashes across the screen and it shows you like <laughs> the artist and the I song and stuff. I loved that. Oh, it was I, so I hated it. fun. I loved how they did that with all the actors, too. Like, in the movie. See, I, I love that, but I hate the music when they do that. I'm just like, ah, fuck. Like, you don't need to remind me that I'm playing a video game in this moment. Like, I'm trying to be immersed in what's going on. I, I just Also, like, the music wasn't very good. The music isn't great, I don't think. But I think it works. No. I liked... The game isn't afraid to, like, remind you it's a video game. But it does it in, like interesting ways that like i don't know i feel like a lot of there i've played a lot of games where they like try to break the fourth wall and it's usually like so corny kojima has a special way of doing it that yes is, it feels confident he's just very aware that he's making a video game and like the contradictions between what's supposed to like be immersive and feel realistic but then also at the same time like has video game logic applied to it. All right. Well, on that note, let's talk about fucking monster energy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That that was incredible. I loved it. it this is like, I'm going to say this probably a lot when we're talking about Death Stranding, but like that was like 
so absurd and over the top. Like you literally drink monster energy to refill your health. Yes. And it was like, it was so ridiculous that I was like, this is genius. Like this is fantastic. And almost every safe room you, you stop in has like five beautiful cans <laughs> on the table <laughs> that you can drink. And then it's not only that, it's not only that there's the product placement and that it, the product placement is a mechanic. That's another level to it. But then added to the fact that like part of the lore of the Timefall is that you have a special canteen that converts it into yes. monster energy drink. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's it's so good. I think I love it because like like sometimes when you watch a movie or something like that and they try and sneak a product placement in there, it just sticks out because like uh, I remember in iRobot actually. Like, there's a scene where, like, someone's talking about Will Smith's shoes and, like, nice shoes and stuff like that. And I was just like, fuck, like, we get it. Like, you, you're it's product placement. That's fine. But, like, this one, I, it's just like Kojima said, like, yep, it's product placement. So, like, no bones about it. I We're getting money for this. So, like, fuck it. We're going to make Monster Energy, like, refill your health. Like, yeah, I just I loved it. It was it's, so good. It's embraced it. It's made it part of the mechanic of the game and the lore of the game. <laughs> One thing that I will say is, like, kind of a negative about this game, gameplay-wise, and it's hard not to compare this to, like, Metal Gear Solid, but, like, to me, there there weren't those, like, really awesome boss battles like you get in Metal Gear Solid. There's, like, two, I think, that are pretty cool, but, like, uh, nothing... I don't think there's anything on the level of, like, some of the best Metal Gear Solid bosses. Would you agree with that? I... I enjoyed all of them. I liked every boss fight, but like the reason like they were it was kind of strange because it's antithetical to like the rest of the gameplay. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like a normal boss fight where it's like, here's the final test of all the skills you've learned in a boss fight. You're not managing your cargo or, you know, like they set you up for the boss fight. But the first one I ever encountered, like, I wasn't expecting it. It just really stuck with me. I just kind of like them as, like, being, like, these kind of memorable things. And they're all, like, pretty fun. Definitely not on the level of Metal Gear, but, like, Metal Gear is so much more built around that type of gameplay. Yeah, I think that, like, for me, I, I thought that the best, like, I don't even want to call them boss battles, but, like, the segment where, you like, you have to cross the, the ocean or whatever... I thought that was really cool, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that they were like, they weren't on par with like some of the, you know, the best Metal Gear Solid ones, but I mean, you're right. It's it's not like the same kind of game in a sense, so that's, yeah. that's okay. I, it just like, it was just something that I noticed like towards the end of the game. I was like, oh, there's never really that, that like really wicked, like, oh my God, that like, not like a Psycho Mantis or like a, like at the end kind of a boss fight. I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of cool in a way because combat isn't like it's intentionally not a focus of the game i think and even in your like your regular combat scenarios with like humans like you're not supposed to kill them you know and they like kind of scold you if you do because it's very very dangerous if you do and so i think that's kind of cool that it's like the game is sort of built around not engaging people in deadly combat and stuff like that so yeah it kind of intentionally or like it sort of forces you to like put the combat by the side like they could have gone a different route and like 
just done a cop-out and been like, well, all your weapons are non-lethal and, you know, you can shoot people willy-nilly. I like that they actually kind of force you to, like, avoid the combat. Yeah, I I, I agree with that. Um, okay, let's talk about the the game itself in like terms of like its characters and its setting and stuff like that and we'll we'll kind of do this John Wick style where like we'll go through the setting we'll talk about the characters and then we'll then we'll wrap it up but like i i feel like like there are so many like um i don't know like things or like just like uh descriptors that we need to nail about like what exactly they are before like you can appreciate what the fuck is going on with the characters and stuff king's glaive level of lore going on here it's it's crazy and in typical kojima fashion it's not like it's told in such a weird way and it's an over-the-top way and there's so much information there's so many like abbreviations for everything yeah the way it's told is interesting because it's like um they ha- they have all these confusing things that are like in any story it's like it's supposed to be kind of a mystery you unravel but then they also do like repeat a lot of the information about it over and over and over yeah and then on top of that like a lot of it's like supposed to be like m- a metaphor for things but they also explicitly describe what the metaphor is and then they also do that over and over and over <laughs> you know uh to the point where they're like yeah there was one time where i realized what one of them like i guess metaphor was like (laughs) later on that i was actually kind of surprised that i didn't get it (laughs) the whole time but uh otherwise they're like always like you know talking about your name is sam bridges because you bring the world together you build bridges (laughs) yeah (laughs) there's literally a a part where uh dead man shows up with something and he goes i brought a metaphor oh it's so it's so like on the nose and i kind of love it i i love it because like it's the same it's the same thing as like i love metal gear solid those are some of my favorite games ever um and it's it's like you can just like see the Hideo Kojima oozing out of those games and like you can see the exact same thing in Death Stranding and it's like it, it like you can you can have those crazy ass bonkers conversations about like nukes and the patriots and like genetics and then like all of a sudden Otacon's telling you that he slept with the stepmother and like but then he's like he has his half sister and like it's just it's fucking crazy it's wild and I love that about Metal Gear Solid, and that 100% translates over to Death Stranding. And I I was so, like, I was so into it. It was, there, like, over the top and bonkers. There's a way that, just to say one more thing about the gameplay, because I, I sort of mentioned how, like, the gameplay gets the point of the story across in an interesting way. Be- and it was, like, because, like, they'd be, like, having these kind of long scenes where all this goofy stuff's happening and they're explaining the plot and the lore and the metaphors and stuff. But then like, but then I'm just out there. I'm climbing around the mountains for like hours. I'm by myself having these quiet moments, you know, you know, discovering things other people built and all this stuff. And, you know, it, you know, and like kind of being, it does kind of give this feeling across of like, Oh, someone else built this and now it's helping me it's like like that interconnectivity theme that they were talking about 
and right. and so it's just like hours spent out in the wilderness co- contemplating these ridiculous themes and metaphors and like using other people's stuff and like logistics to overcome some of these insurmountable obstacles it was like uh it was a profound experience i had out in the wilderness let's just say yeah there there's something very I don't even know. Satisfying maybe isn't the word, but like when you're just like up and you're on a like a cliff going nowhere and you're just like, I don't know if anyone's ever been here before or if I'm the first person, but I'm going to leave a rope so that the next person that follows me has an yeah. easier time of doing this than I just had. That that was very satisfying to me, even though it's like it's dumb. You know that like you know nobody's coming to use your rope. Maybe they can if you play it online. I don't know. I didn't play online. Well, but the like, game is I think it's always online. It's always like drawing yeah. stuff from other people's games so that's what's kind of cool about it and i'm i'm sure it's kind of worked to like put some things there that are in your favor but that i also encountered stuff that was totally like useless and then like i would encounter a sign that tells you like don't go this way it's bad <laughs> like oh i should have listened yep. yeah i love that yeah i i think it's great i um, i had a, a brief moment i want to actually describe was i took uh i took an order and it was like up in the snowy area in the mountains and it was like across like a mountain to get to it and i was like ah this is gonna suck but i saw that there was a zip line point so i was like okay i'll zip line to that so i built a zip line and i zip line to it and then when i got up there i saw there was another zip line point that someone else had built like even closer to where i was going so i zip lined again and then I was like practically to my destination and it felt so fucking good <laughs> that <laughs> this I thought like this is going to be awful because that's, you know, that snowy areas you're trudging across it. It's difficult. And I like almost immediately completed this order because of, you know, working together with someone else. And it felt so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and that's that's like the beauty of the game is like these these moments where like you either stumble across something someone else has previously done and like you can finish their work or like you leave something behind for someone else to make it easier for them i really like those moments in like the like those isolated moments you know yeah and th- and that's ultimately like kind of what the story is about is about you know connecting with others and stuff uh, stuff like that it's you know it's about connecting with other people and these kind of isolated times. So it was, yeah, it was cool. All right. Well, let's, let's set the stage for the world that we live in and goo. You can jump in with like your commentary here because there is so much crazy shit that goes on here, but I guess we have to start at the beginning. So sometime in mankind's future, there is an event called the death stranding. And that is, a series of like supernatural events uh, coming out across the world. There's explosions. And basically what happens is the world of the dead and the world of the living become connected. And uh, we eventually find out in the game that this is the sixth death stranding in the earth's history. Uh, There have been five previous ones (laughs) and uh, like it, it drastically alters like the the state of the world and the state of like human evolution when these happen. Right. Um, so it, it throughout 
the Earth's history, like in real life, there have been multiple major extinctions, and this game right. posits that the other ones are due to Were the Death, Death Stranding. Stranding. Yeah. Which is cool. I, I thought that that was a really like cool idea, actually. Yeah, I liked it. Um, yeah, I thought it was like, again, kind of kind of goofy, but kind of awesome at the same time. Oh, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, it's it's like it's absurd, but I mean that in the best possible way. Like, yeah, this whole game is absurd in the best possible way. But yeah, I, I thought that that was like such a cool idea to use something that like exists already, like these these major extinction events and say that like. Like, t- to me, I-, I almost perceive the Death Stranding as something that happens so that humanity or, like, life on Earth can continue. Like, it almost, like, it kind of resets a little bit to-, to make sure that, like, like life isn't overpopulated and we don't run out of resources. Like, to me, I was just like, maybe this happens in order to, like, safeguard human, or, like, not human life, but, like, life in general on this mm-hmm. planet. I was, I, I had felt interpreted as, like, it was kind of... Like, it didn't really have a specific purpose, but but then the the mo- the current one, their experience in the game, really does because you find out that it is, it's, like, man-made, you know? It's almost yeah. trying to be sort of, like, a, a climate change type allegory in a way. Or maybe, like, so, pretty, I think maybe on the nose a little bit sometimes, but... It, it's It's definitely, like on the nose with its uh like if we don't if we don't change then (laughs) like we'll just go extinct or whatever Mm -hmm. but like that's okay too because i feel like a lot of the messages in kojima games are like pretty on the nose like you know you can you could go to metal gear solid one and it's like nukes war those are bad and like you know um so i i was okay with that but i thought that the concept of death stranding of, of like the phenomenon death stranding was like very cool it was kind of open-ended if this is like something that's supposed to help or hurt. Um, And it was like, it was kind of cool that it was presented as like an inevitability almost. It almost actually reminded me of like the matrix when they were just like, we've built like five matrices before this is the sixth one. And like, you are the one and like, like you, you could kind of equate the EE with, with the one from the matrix. Okay. Uh, I thought, I thought it was cool. I was sort of riding on, the the climate change thing for a while because it made me think of like there was some like depressing uh story years ago that that it was from someone and it was like uh yeah like climate change is going to kill everyone so like we might as well just keep doing what we're doing while we can (laughs) like keep doing all the bad shit we're doing while we can and it made me think of like there were certain characters like like who's there was a couple characters uh, that had that kind of mentality. Higgs and his whole like thing are basically like we're gonna die, so let's just expedite the process. Yeah, so that sort of made me think of that sort of like climate, not even denier. Like it's a whole new level of like we've like you embrace it, but it's too late. Yeah, basically. so like let's keep doing the heinous stuff we're doing to to you know do whatever. Because it doesn't matter. In fact, it's probably better if we bring it by sooner. Sort of a death cult so, kind of thing. Well, I, that that's exactly uh, what are they called? And I, I actually should say, so it's been maybe like a good six months since I finished Death Stranding. So you're you're a little bit fresher. So you might have to help me out with some of the names. 
But what terrace? is the cult that Higgs runs? Yeah, <laughs> are you they're like you don't remember this? <laughs> they're they're like the homo demons. The homo demons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. Oh, that's good shit. Yeah. What a good uh, yeah. I mean, that's their whole thing. They're like a death cult. <laughs> Fucking homo demons are or just want the world to yeah, end. Yeah, they they don't have like kind of. They're like yeah. You don't really get too much from like they don't they don't have a goal you know they're just they just want to destroy everything watch the world burn yeah some bad um, okay boys. so so the the death stranding obviously really messed up the world it it broke almost everything and that is what makes like travel by air and travel by roads impossible because the topography is all over the place um there's also something called timefall which is kind of like I mentioned that the world of living and the world of the dead crash together. Timefall is rain, basically, that is from another dimension. And when <laughs> it hits you, it ages you. Yes. And that, that also, <laughs> I believe it also, like, degradates all your stuff, right? And, like, your packages. It does, yes. So that's yeah. also why it's made these type of transportation difficult, because it's, like, kind of destroyed infrastructure everywhere, you know? Yeah, so so basically, um, it, it speeds up the flow of time. So if you have a metal crate and timefall hits it, it speeds up the like basically the amount of time that that crate will have quote unquote existed. So it starts to rust faster and break apart faster and degrade faster. So this this again is like just such a bonkers concept that I I kind of loved it. Yes, you can convert it to Monster Energy drink. That's very important. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> Very important. Okay, so not only do we have time well, fall. You know what? The time fall, I, I gotta say, too, that's another thing that's like, that's where, um, like, they were trying, because things degradate in this quicker than they would in, in, in a real, like a reality, basically. But, like, they want to have, like, a normal game would want to have, like, weapon degradation or item degradation. Like, I think of weapon degradation in Breath of the Wild. You get a normal looking right. sword and you use it a couple of times and it explodes. You know, it's doesn't make sense. The game doesn't it doesn't matter, though, and the game doesn't explain it. This felt like this and, and the inventory management felt like Kojima kind of thinking about the video game nature of those elements and how goofy they are. But like, it doesn't matter in a normal game if you explain it and him like coming up with an explanation for fun, you know? It's like, why do things degrade so fast? Well, because the t the it rains time, you know, <laughs> like, uh, you know, like normally in Resident Evil four, you have the suitcase that just fits, you know, four guns and all this ammo. And, and in this, he's like, no, you got to carry it on your back and on your arms. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that, that it was like, again, it's like game. That's why I think it works so well as a game, too, because it's like gameplay brought it into lore <laughs> and then back into gameplay it's i think it's crazy see what i love about that is is kind of like how you were just saying like kojima's just like okay like so we know that we want to make it somewhat time sensitive to get your stuff from you know point a to point b so like it's going to degrade if it's in the rainfall too much and he's explaining up he's offering an explanation of why that happens the time fall hits it and you can age your stuff but then like and that's the explanation he's concerned with. Like the the other explanation, like, well, why does why does like 
time rain from the skies he's like fuck who cares it comes from another dimension <laughs> you know like i love that it's connected yeah it's just like well it's connected to the yeah the death stranding i guess which i i don't know it's just like and then that some of it yeah he also thought of like and then it turns into monster energy tree. <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's just like the the detailing is so precise on some stuff and then i just feel like some of the other stuff like kojima's just like fuck who cares it's a video game just like Go yeah, with it, I think right? Like, I do get the I love vibe it. that he kind of, uh, yeah, he like lives in the kind of the video game ness, like in the contradictory nature of it. Like it, he he, you could tell he kind of loves it. You know what else? Actually, I don't know when to bring this up, so I'll just bring it up now. But like, okay. you can get little models and stuff of like a bunch of classic motorcycles and like sunglasses and stuff like that. I, I'm not sure if it's product placement or not, or if it's just stuff that, like, he really likes and, like, he put in his video game. Like, I, I distinctly remember, like, playing Metal Gear Solid 3 and you can phone, uh, I think it's Signet or something like that. Anyways, you can talk about, like, movies from the 60s and, like, there'll be this, like, long-ass Kodak conversation about how, like, Godzilla was a fantastic movie. And but, it's like, what is this doing in here? Like, this doesn't belong. It's he, just, like, he loves Kojima was yeah he's just a fan of movies so like the shit's in the video game and like why not and like i thought that when you saw all like the stuff about like the motorcycles and stuff like that it was very endearing to me like there you know he likes sunglasses he likes yeah. he likes motorcycles he likes like that Matt shit's in Mickelson. the game <laughs> you know, <like>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah good uh yeah i love the guy uh yeah it's it's awesome it's this it just has such personality i feel like which is which is very much missing i yeah. feel like from a lot of other games like i remember when he and i think there was there was some kind of stuff lost in translation there but he kind of had that tweet where he's like you know when you play a kojima game that i've done every element of the process and people got mad because it it they felt like he was taking away from all the other people who worked hard on the game but i think right what he was actually trying to say was like you know that he put so much of himself into every aspect of the game not that he did it all himself but yeah. that like he just has left his mark here and it really does feel like a game authored by someone as a, as opposed to a game created by like yes a, you know a, a corporation a you know yeah yeah like yeah. of Th course a is... lot of people worked hard on this that weren't him obviously but you can you can see kind of his spirit in this game so we were talking on Patreon a little while ago, but like how there's very few directors left that you're just like, okay, like this is a Steven Spielberg movie. I'm gonna, like, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to go see that. Like Christopher Nolan is probably the closest thing that we have right now. Uh -huh. It's like, this is a Nolan movie. So like, there's going to be that style. There's going to be like all this stuff that we associate with it. Like, I feel like Kojima is probably maybe, maybe not one of the only remaining ones, but definitely the most pro high profile, like video game director. That's like, like you're you're paying to get the Kojima game, you know. Like you're paying to see the Nolan movie. You're, you, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. And that's again not to take away from all the people who work yeah. hard on it. Like, but yeah, he he's a, definitely a crucial part of it. Okay, so we have the Death Stranding occur. This is the sixth extinction event that's uh, that's happened in humanity's history. We have the world of the dead and living clashing together. We have timefall raining down, aging stuff, whatever it hits. So that's only some of what's going on here. We also have things known as BTs, which stand for beached things. And we'll get to the beach in a second here because <laughs> that's fucking wild. 
But BTs are, I'm going to read directly from Death Stranding Wiki, uh, are entities whose souls are stranded in the world of the living following the events of Death Stranding. BTs are considered extremely dangerous and are almost almost invariably hostile towards living things. Uh, because the bodies of BTs contain antimatter, if they consume a living thing, a void out will be triggered, causing a massive explosion. So, not good. Not good. They're like the the ghosts in that Final Fantasy movie. <laughs> yeah, like basically, yeah. yeah, they're they're basically phantoms, kind of like we were we were watching in uh, Spirits Within. Yes. Except if you touch them, you're fucked. Yeah, and you see spots spots on the map where like there clearly was like explosions and stuff like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's also that's also why like you don't want to kill people, um, right? Because they 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 will turn yeah. into BTs. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. There's... So so basically, within the world, if when somebody dies. You have, uh, I, th- I think they say it's like a three-day window or something like that to incinerate the body. And if you don't, then it turns into a BT. So, like, basically, literally, like, you turn into a ghost shortly after you die that's stranded in between the world of the living and the world of the dead. So when the Death Stranding happened, that, like, all of the souls basically can't pass on unless they are incinerated. If I got that right. I think so. Yeah, I I understand I so. it, but I can't explain it. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> awesome in the game. Like you have to sneak by them, and it's like it's super tense. Um, you have your BB, which is like I thought that like when I first saw the BB mechanic, I was like, this is ridiculous. But it's so awesome in the game. You have like the little things spinning and clapping as it's like telling you which direction a BT is in and like how close it is. I I thought that was yeah. so intense and it was it was awesome especially because you have to you have to stop moving to be able to see it and so that adds another level to it it's like okay i can keep moving like they almost have a stealth mechanic against yours in a way like a stealth check on you and it starts off very it's like for a lot of the game it's very like you're just kind of trying to sneak by them but then you get you know you get weapons and grenades and guns that you can use on them and then eventually you get another like i i think it's kind of interesting you get this after some of the other stuff but you get the ability to kind of like stealth kill them <laughs> help them pass on to the other side by cutting their connection um and so then yeah it's that's that's actually a great aspect of the game is sneaking through those guys it's very scary so i want to read you <laughs> a passage <laughs> i'm going to call it a passage okay. from the, the death stranding wiki about bt's and sure. the origins of BTs, I I can't believe this. So here we go. A beached thing comes into existence when the deceased soul of a living thing fails to cross through the beach onto the world of the dead, consequently becoming stranded in the world of the living, with their connection to the other side maintained through an umbilical cord. The death stranding <laughs> occurred concurrently with the first recorded sighting of a BT by a doctor performing a cesarean section on a brain-dead mother... <laughs> Due to the death stranding, when a human being dies, their soul is still connected to and will attempt to return to their body after death. The only way to prevent this is to destroy the body, usually through cremation at an incinerator. A cesarean section on a brain dead mother. Yes, is, is that the. What do they call them? The dead. Still mothers. 
right? Is that yes. what that is? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's some gross stuff in the game, for sure. <laughs> there's, yeah, umbilical cords. It's, and It's yeah. just, like, it's absurd, but it's it's amazing. Yeah, you could tell, like, this all really made sense in his head, for sure. <laughs> I mean, actually, it, like, it all kind of made sense for me, but it, it is it is so... Like, there was a lot of jokes about how outlandish it was, and it is outlandish, but you know like a lot of the, it's a it's a sci-fi game <laughs> you know it's just it's not your normal you know you don't get this in like a a call of duty or something you know no this this took imagination like and i i respect it so much yeah, for that yeah. and it's it's just so fucking bonkers let's continue let's talk about bb's actually uh, we still have a lot of stuff to get to before we start talking about some of the characters. Okay. So, so BBs are bridge babies, uh, and they are, quote, <laughs> an unborn fetus that has been taken from a stillborn mother to be used as equipment by bridges operatives. A still mother's womb facilitates a connection between the world of the dead and a bridge baby, granting bridges operatives the ability to sense and detect BTs when physically connected. And they are also carried around... And these weird little portable pods that uh, simulate the conditions of a womb. So yeah. it's this is just like such a fucking bonkers idea. <laughs> yeah, and it, it ties it ties to the last thing. Like it feels like again, it's so absurd, but it does feel very. It does feel carefully considered in a way like it, that kind of makes sense with what they're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's I, very like, goofy. It but. is. It, it makes sense, but it's like it's absurd in the best possible way. I like I like the bridge babies. Uh, I I loved BB. Yeah. In the game, I, whenever I got to, so when you're playing the game, there uh, if you if you kind of take too much damage or whatever, uh, your BB will start to cry, and you have to take him out and like soothe him and rock him. Every every <laughs> single time without fail, I would always make sure that my BB was like a okay and in perfect condition. I don't think he ever cried once. I always thought this same thing with the encumbrance mechanics. It's like you also have sort of an annoyance mechanic because out of your controller, the baby cries. And I thought like same thing with the encumbrance stuff. I thought this is going to be miserable, but I ended up. Yeah. Like enjoying like, oh, my baby's upset. Like I had to make him feel better. And I always (laughs) liked playing with him a little bit. And your your scanner becomes like a like a mobile mobile or whatever, like that you put above a baby cradle. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but like it comes out and like tries to also comfort the baby. And I, yeah, I ended up uh, like the, again, like the gameplay crosses over the story. I did actually become kind of attached to the little baby. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, dude, I was, I was totally attached to this baby. It, like totally yeah and then and and also i guess to to the character i was playing as because i'd always be like okay i gotta take care of you too i gotta make you shower you gotta go to the bathroom you gotta slam some monsters like it was like you're taking care of two little little babies uh yeah i i thought that the that the bb concept was like so it's ridiculous crazy, yeah. but it, it it worked because like yeah you really end up caring or caring about that little dude there there is um, yeah there's like a logic to this lore but it yeah it's just so 
it is lore dumped on you and re-explain and re-explain. But like now that I'm sitting here afterwards, I'm like, yeah, it checks out. It all makes a hundred percent sense. <laughs> Not a single. I, I, I feel like <laughs> I, I feel like it, it's lore dumped, but it's not lore dumped in a digestible way. Like they, they kind of give you like abbreviation. Like they tell you what a BT is like before, you know, what the beach is before, you know, like, like they give you all kinds of things like, um, like right away. And they kind of expect you to do a little bit of research to like find out what it is, which I'm actually, okay. It with. actually, yeah, it does feel like a game that requires you to research what's going on <laughs> which the game the game gives you i i didn't go to it but it always has like a lot of games where you have the emails and the files that you can go read i found it easier to just go read on the death stranding wiki trying to avoid yeah. spoilers and stuff and i was like okay like i don't know that actually added to my experience <laughs> that i was like engaging with the deeper because it did feel like being explained i'm i'm sam porter bridges i'm just the delivery guy and someone's explaining like scientists are explaining like these high concept things to me quantum physics <laughs> and like parallel universes and stuff i'm gonna yeah it's pretty heavy shit i'm gonna have to do further reading on this <laughs> okay let's talk about the beach we were talking about beach things uh so the beach <laughs> is a location ba basically it, it Maybe not like purgatory because that seems like negative to me. But like the beach is definitely like an in between yeah, world. From it's like, definitely like a purgatory thing for sure. Okay, uh, let's just call it. It's like purgatory basically. <laughs> and like you, uh, Sam has like visions of the beach consistently throughout the whole game. He sees a meal on the beach the whole game. Um, it's like you you go there when you. I believe you go there when you... So when you're fighting a BT um, and the BT notices you, there's all this, like, black sludge that, that pops up around you. And if you sink into it, you end up on the beach and you kind of have to swim back into life. It's pretty fucked up, actually. Well, that's a little different because for, for a regular person, it is just, like, you're in between, between yeah. life and death. But for someone like Sam, he, Sam. like, comes back or whatever. Yeah, so when we're when we're talking about the beach, the beach is basically purgatory. We should also <laughs> we should also talk about dooms. Yeah, uh, <laughs> sure. So dooms, dooms is a condition granting individuals a greater connection to the other side, and those with dooms are called sufferers of the condition. So the um, basically people with dooms are able to see the beach and they're aware of the nature of the beach and uh the higher the amount of dooms that you have so there's there's nine i think there's nine levels of dooms sure yeah. the higher level of doom that you have the more connected to the beach you are so eventually we meet our bad guy in the story his name is higgs and he has the highest level of dooms of anybody which not only gives him like really good connection to the beach but actually allows him to basically control bts yeah so so you dooms are kind of an advantage but also a disadvantage because people with dooms experience like really heavy nightmares about like um an apocalyptic event happening or an extinction event actually and like the is this particular to sam but like can't touch people or is that just him he can't touch other people i feel uh 
You know what? I I think it's just Sam that doesn't like to do that. I could, but I like he had a thing where he got a he got like a rash or whatever when he would like yeah. touch people. I don't remember that, but but yeah, he's like a lower level, so he can only he can like sense BTs, but that's like about it. Yeah, and so so yeah, Sam was a lower level uh, dooms. I guess I was gonna say sufferer. Um, and he, I guess he, he had like nightmares of the beach, like basically his whole life, but, uh, he doesn't have enough like dooms to be able to control the, like the BTs themselves, but he can sense them, which kind of, which makes him basically the best porter ever. So this is the world, uh, that we, (laughs) that Kojima has bestowed upon us. It's bizarre (laughs) awesomeness. So it's actually kind of a cool premise because like the premise of the game is you are connecting what's known as the chiral network. And the chiral network allows you to send, like, data instantaneously through nodes, but, like, physical data as well. Um, so it's kind of like connecting the world to the internet, almost. But, like, you can send stuff through the internet to each other. I, I thought that this idea was, like, very cool, actually. Yeah, because, so it's, like, the chirelium Ky- or whatever, like, that's also connected, right, to to the death stranding and... to, yeah it, it's connected to the beach so chirelium is um uh or the beach rather is the source of chirelium and chirelium is basically like like dead energy or, or like something along <laughs> yeah. those lines i thought I'll, I'll pull it up and tell you exactly what it is actually um so <laughs> quote from uh the death stranding wiki here is uh, chirelium is the crystallization of chiral matter from the beach. Chirelium is present throughout the atmosphere of the planet as a result of the Death Stranding and is responsible for time fall. Um, so yeah, they, uh, it, it's basically like weird alien energy. And it's presented as like, you know, this is good. It's like a tool to bring everyone together, but it's also like of something that will bring about our destruction. Yeah, I, I think that like, the more that you explored into like what Kyrelium is was was really interesting to me, but also like I I thought that like the idea of like having to manually link the world back together like it makes for like a very interesting journey because like the the bulk of the game is like literally you going from the east coast of America to the west coast and like bringing all of these cities back together. Yeah, and it was so I loved uh, in particular the mission towards the end when it's like, okay, and now you have to go all the way back across, but in like one oh. go. Yeah. 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 I, I really loved um, getting to the West coast where like you have to cross the sea. So like there's a black sea of sludge, which I thought was like that, that was a high point to me getting across there because like in that black sea of sludge, you can almost, you can like, other shit that's went to the beach is also appearing in reality. So it like kind of gives you a bridge across. It's very cool. I, yeah, I like that because it was, there was a couple moments where they kind of present to you that sort of thing as a puzzle. And there was one where I didn't figure it out right away, but then they have like Norman Reedus kind of like thinking it out and explaining it. But that was another one where it's like, okay, how do you get across this? Like, okay, I just need to get like, you know, caught, so then the buildings will appear and then I'll get across and it's such a big, you know, like epic moment running across this giant sea. Like you, you almost use the, use the BT attacking you to your advantage. advantage. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was very, very cool. Um, that was a highlight for me of the game 
actually. Like, the gameplay-wise of the game, because this the whole story and setting is a highlight to me from this game. Yeah. Um, okay, one last thing that we should maybe touch on before we get to just talking about some of the characters and the plot is Extinction Entities, which I don't... I'd like... When when we started talking about this, it's not really until like the latter part of the game that like you you really realize that like this is a game about extinction entities, or was I just slow on the take on that? They don't really start talking about that until like the chapter where you're in the mountains and you go meet uh, Heartman. Heartman, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, um, it's it's not because you spend most of the beginning like they just keep talking about like. We need to make America whole again. And like, that's right. kind of what they're hammering onto you. And then, yeah, then they kind of get more into like that and like Cliff and all that kind of stuff. So just to just to put a quick bow on this, extinction entities are basically people that have lived throughout or not people, but like things, uh, beings that have lived throughout the history of the Earth and uh, they are basically the triggers for the Death Strandings. As we mentioned, there have been uh, five extinction events, and um, those uh, those have caused mass extinction on Earth. And uh, they're said to have been like one was like a a woolly mammoth, or like a Neanderthal, <laughs> yeah. or a dinosaur, or like whatever. Um, and so we we kind of learn that uh, as we go through the game, the uh, the sixth extinction event is actually Amelie. So that's kind of like the big reveal of Death Stranding. So, and that kind of wraps up everything of like what's going on, like kind of explains a lot, like who Sam is, how the stranding happened. So yeah, I'm like, I'm ready to dive into some of these characters. Maybe we can talk about like their arc and like, just if we liked him or not or whatever. So, I mean, We'll start off with Sam Porter Bridges, Norman Reedus. A very excellent job, by the way, from Norman Reedus in this game. Yeah, he was probably my probably my favorite Norman Reedus anything, to be honest. Uh, you know, I actually don't know anything he's from. I've never seen him in anything. You never seen Boondock Saints? Oh, he was in that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No, I guess not. Or I guess it's been a. I have seen that, but it's been a while. But I haven't. No, I I don't recall it. I haven't watched The Walking Dead. I haven't either. So this is my favorite thing he's in, too. <laughs> um, okay, so a little bit about Sam Porter Bridges. He's a courier. He has uh, low-level dooms, and uh, he has the ability of uh, repatriation. Repat- yeah, repatriation. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a wife named Lucy and uh, a daughter, but they... Uh, I, th- I think that the, the wife died, which created a void out. Um, so he's like, he's kind of, you know, down in the dumps. And uh, eventually he rejoins the chiral network. His mother is, uh, f- fuck, what was her name? Bridget Strand, who's also the president. <laughs> and his estranged that, sister is Emil. <laughs> when that is revealed, it is ama- amazing. <laughs> this, this is so good. So... Essentially, like, I, I feel like Sam was, like, very, he was very likable. He was very, like, a good character. And you find out, like, I think the reveal towards the end was, like, was very cool that, like, uh, so you were asking about his uh, repatriations. Like, 
So he was actually gifted that from Amelie on the beach. So throughout the throughout the game of Death Stranding, you keep seeing these weird flashbacks with like Cliff and um, you're you're watching them throughout the or from the perspective of a BB. And you assume that that's the BB that you're carrying yes. with you the whole game. But it turns out that that BB is actually Sam and uh, Cliff and Sam were both killed uh, way at the beginning, like years before the events of this game. And so they both went to the beach and on the beach, Amelie finds him and like, I guess decides to raise him instead and gives him the gift of life. Like this is some weird shit. I I loved it actually. Because, well, it's, it's hard to describe one thing without describing another thing, but she, her, other self she like basically is responsible for right. his death and we can just flow into her if you want like we can just well flow. i did like this element of like so they're this this is where i think like the they're trying to do something with babies right they're like sacrificing babies or something like that uh the government is <laughs> which is crazy it's fucked up um but then yeah, due to them trying to like take Sam away from Cliff and all this stuff, she I think she felt like guilt or whatever. So she like brought him back to life and raised him as her own. But then this also is like what causes the death stranding. Yeah. Um, because he was supposed to die and he didn't. And because of that, the death stranding occurs. But since Amelie is the one that made the decision, she is the extinction entity that triggers this whole thing. Yes. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I, I feel like now I'm getting in, into the weeds, but like she, she doesn't actually, Amelie doesn't actually exist. Does she? It, like only Bridget exists. So there, is that right? So, so there, um, it's like a split of the same person. It's right. she's like a part of her that that exists on the beach, <laughs> and so <laughs> they're basically the same person, but one of them exists in the real. Like they 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 have a whole thing in the game where they describe like your soul, like your ha and your ka or something like that. It's basically like she's like part of her soul or something like that, and so right, uh, she managed to like live on in an age in the real world but then like this other part of her was still on the beach so like when this separate person died like her soul was still like living on on the beach i don't know <laughs> and it's like it's ageless it, it's like she's been on the beach for forever i i think like i think that she was on the beach and like she was this entity that was there and like she it almost seems like she was always there like yes she lived as bridget but like Amelie, the extinction entity, was always on the beach and just, like, waiting for, like, I don't know, her moment to make the stranding happen, even though she didn't necessarily want to, I think. But that was just, like, her function. I yeah. think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't it's, know. <laughs> it's, it's fucking really weird. But I did really like, at one point in the game, um, I think it's Higgs, he's just like, have you ever seen Amelie in person? And then you you start to wonder, it's like, it's like, have I seen Amelie in person? Because the only memories that you have of her 
are yeah. on the beach. And at this point, you, you're kind of realizing that the beach isn't like a, a real place. It's like the purgatory. Um, so I thought that that was really cool, actually. I like, yeah, sometimes I feel like the game sort of reveals like the big, like they gives you the reveals of the reveals earlier in like more than it's more explicit than just foreshadowing. But I kind of liked it. <laughs> like, like, um, I don't know. There's a lot of things that I sort of like clicked with in the game and, and realized about where they were going kind of early, but it didn't feel like a letdown, if that makes sense. It felt like, oh, well, I yeah. can understand this. So, yeah, so Amelie finds um, Sam at the beach near death as a baby. And um, I'm going to see if I can get this right. So Amelie then explains to adult Sam that her purpose is to, you know, offer another extinction event. So she she basically offers to either like end everything now and they can go quietly into oblivion or he can uh what was it he can shoot her and then like yeah. the the life can continue but like the extinction is an inevitability and i think instead like sam just hugs her yeah which like prevents the the extinction from ever happening you're it's interesting because you're given the choice but you can actually only do the one thing as as like the player which i thought was kind of cool yeah i have to ask did you shoot at her no <laughs> no me. i was just like the what happens if i go up to her and then I, I think there's like a prompt for like hug or something so i just did that <laughs> it's fucking like crazy it almost defies like explaining actually it's just like so so bizarre but i i thought that it was like the the thing that this game does or well i think is like even when things don't make sense, like you you're invested in the characters and you're just like, OK, like that's that's fine. Yeah, I'm OK with that. That, that particular moment you're describing, like the like whatever they were going for was like a little out there for me. I was like, I'm not I it wasn't clicking, you know, like shoot, shoot or yeah. not. There's they're talking about the stick in the rope. And I'm like, I'm not sure what this is about, but uh. <laughs> So I, I I I don't know with shooting or not shooting her I didn't quite understand the significance but uh yeah it was it was like very uh heightened like it almost felt like an anime at that moment especially with like the crazy sunsets and everything I was like okay like I like I like the vibe at least Yeah it was it was it was crazy it was definitely Kojima esque it reminded me of like the fight atop uh Metal Gear and Metal Gear Solid 4 were like uh, Liquid Ocelot and Old Snake are like beating the shit out of each other. And it's like you're in this giant sunset and like the world is hanging on the balance. And it was like cinematic and, and very intense. Um, so I I liked it, but I do have to admit that I thought that the like the Sam and Amelie story, uh, I wasn't as interested in that as I was in like the cliff story and the, the BB story and stuff like that. And eventually die hard man who, who comes into that story. <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was like the, the best like storytelling in the game. And we'll get to that in a sec, but yeah, I, I thought that like, just as a, to put a bow on Sam, I thought that like he was actually uh, really like a really well done main character. When I first saw death stranding, I was just like, 
I feel like this is going to be distracting playing as like Norman Reedus and like it felt kind of uh, I I don't know not not shoehorned but I was like it just it feels out of place to me but um, I never actually felt that way playing the game I thought that they did a really good job with him I thought he acted it really well and uh, I th- I thought he was really good this this is a game where that type of thing works like I normally feel like with video games it's better to just have someone you know like a voice actor who can embody different characters do the work and kind of create right. a unique character but again it's just so it's so kind of silly in this when you encounter like you know conan o'brien or something that uh it, it works or you know just met even the main cast of mads mickelson and norman reedus like i i like that they're portraying versions of themselves that look like them but yeah. i didn't like that in like uh like L.A. Noir had that, and it was kind of lame. Um, we should I should say to you that like there are a couple instances where voice actors and actresses do like voice the characters, but they have like a, like a famous face that's being acted on them, um, like Dead Man, for example, and, and Heart Man, uh, actually. And yeah, and Heart Man. I think I think Amelie as well, actually. Oh, really? Okay. I, I think I, I could be wrong, but I think Emily O'Brien plays her and then Lindsay Wagner mm. voices her. I, I could be yeah, wrong. Yeah, see, I thought with, but, uh, um, with Dead Man and Heart Man is because it's like not I, I don't know. I assume they probably could act, but like it's two directors playing right. those characters. So maybe they felt like they could get a better performance out of a voice actor, you know. Uh, they, they probably weren't wrong, to be to be fair. <laughs> yeah, um, it was still great but, to just be like. Okay, Guillermo del Toro's here. Okay, now the dude who directed Drive is here. <laughs> yeah. like, like again, it's just like he loves movies, you know. I was I was trying to figure out what the deal with uh the London Bridge, like the sacrificing babies under London Bridge was, and I found a particular text email you get from uh dead man in the game, and at the end of it he's like, Oh, by the way, have you ever seen The Shape of Water? <laughs> and he just like that's so he's good like, yeah it's crazy the main <laughs> character and that's mute and all this stuff it's like wow oh that's so good that's so that is like so kojima and i love yeah. that um okay so yeah I, I thought that uh that amelie and sam were like strong but like i said it wasn't my favorite aspect of the game let's let's shift over and talk about fragile what what did you think of Fragile in this I thought, game? Yeah, I thought Fragile was a cool character. I liked uh, I thought... the like because that's like a big the big chapter is like the Fragile chapter. So to me, it felt like I was pretty anchored into that as being as like an aspect of the game. Yeah, I I thought that her her chapter seemed to take me like a long time to do, and like once you kind of got past that, then you were really rocking and rolling. Um, I did feel, though, that her story kind of plateaued with with that chapter and like it was uh, like she didn't really have a whole lot to do for the rest of the game. Like she kind of did when you finally fight Higgs at the end. Yeah. But like she just kind of showed up and like it's it's awesome that she can transport you places, which I which which is like super convenient. But yeah, just as a character, I was I was a little bit um, I was a little bit disappointed that she didn't come and like have more of an active role in the final battle against Higgs because like really the conflict there is fragile versus Higgs. 
That's not true. Sam versus Higgs. I just felt it was kind of the, yeah, it was like everyone's chapter kind of like they like kind of wrap up everyone's story and then it's like they're they're part of the team or whatever and they're like occasionally helping you in their own ways. And it just was like it made sense for hers to be first because like she's like warping you and stuff. And it, but yeah. then it was also so long because it's where they're like kind of teaching you also like the that's like really the tutorial chapter is the third one. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's just weird because it's so it's so front light loaded with her story. But I ultimately liked her story encapsulated within that chapter. So it, I like yeah, it. I, I agree. I thought that the the scene where she was walking like basically naked into the time fall was like really like it was really well done and it kind of sold the dangers of time fall i think better than the decay of like your materials did because like when you eventually you look at her body she's like this she has like wrinkles and like she looks you know like she looks like old um so yeah i thought i thought that it sold that threat really well she like took she like had all this blame on her for something she didn't do when she actually like kind of heroically sacrificed herself you know that that was uh an endearing story i think um, so the other side of Fragile is Higgs, and he is played by Troy Baker. This dude is literally in, like, every game ever. Like, every major AAA game, it feels like Troy Baker is in. But, it, but he's a great actor, so I guess that's why. And I like to, like, he looked like him in this game, which I think was cool, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I thought that that was really cool. Like, you're like, oh, that's, that's Troy Baker, and kind of giving a little bit of, like, fame to it. It almost reminded me, actually, of, like, speaking of The Shape of Water, um... Oh God! Who's the guy that plays uh, the Pale Man and like he was D- a Silver Doug Surfer? Jones. Doug yeah. Jones, yeah, yeah, Doug Jones. It reminded me of like when he was uh, like trying, like he did all the the work for those roles, but then like they recast the voice in Silver Surfer and they recast the voice in Pan's Labyrinth, and like he never really got credit. So I thought that it was cool of like it was like you're looking at Troy Baker. Yeah, and. Yeah, and he fit the role really well too. So I, I felt like uh, Kojima, yeah, like kind of honored him in that way too. I think he kind of deserved that treatment. Yeah. So I guess uh, so. Higgs used to work at Fragile Express, and um, he has like a huge high level of dooms. He eventually meets Amelie, but I don't know where he meets Amelie. But eventually, Amelie <laughs> kind of lets him in on the whole idea of like what he she lets him know the true nature well, of the death stranding and the ees i think he meets her i would assume because he has also the connection to the beach he has even the highest you know so okay yeah I think okay he would that be makes very, sense yeah aware of her also so they meet and then he's just like well she's an extinction event we're all fucked let's just get there quickly and he forms the homo demons and they try <laughs> and create void outs and end the world yeah, I really expected him to have sort of a more complex backstory, but he really didn't, you know, I'd, or at least it was more about he connected to, like, fragile, you know, but that that was fine, yeah. too. Like, I kind of liked that he was just, like, a crazy guy. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was, um, yeah, like, I thought that he was a good villain, but, like, he, he wasn't, um... Like he wasn't the end of the game villain, and I think that that was obvious from like the moment that you met him. Yeah, like there, like it was like he is like kind of the the physical villain that you can fight and get you along the story, but like the the true nature of what's going on is much bigger than totally. This guy. Yeah, and he yeah. he had a lot of the more 
it's more what you would expect from a game that's like doing the fourth wall breaking stuff because he had a lot of those kind of lines but i i really liked a lot of that stuff um and actually i forgot about this i'm just reading about this now so once you do you have a final confrontation with higgs on the beach which actually is kind of, like, kind of an underwhelming boss fight, I think. Yeah, but, it was just um, like th- fragile. I liked it because I was throwing packages at him. <laughs> but uh, you just like body the guy, like you're just beating the shit out of him, and I was like, I I feel like this could be cooler. But when I mean, it, whatever, that's fine. Now, when it goes into like the fighting game screen, though, that was pretty entertaining. <laughs> yeah, okay, that was and pretty it's good. Got, actually, like, the Mortal Kombat, like slow mo, like where you punch their face and you see like their bones flying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that made up for it. But the, the, the normal fight, like the actual like running around and he's shooting at you was kind of like basic. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're totally right though. That the slow-mo bone crunching was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> was good bonkers. Shit. Yeah. All right. So after he's defeated, Fragile comes up and gives him the choice to either kill himself or be stranded on the beach. And uh, I I forgot about this, actually. So Higgs confesses that Amelie is the one that gives Higgs his powers, and she is the true leader of the homo demons. Is is that accurate? Uh, Yes, I think so. That sounds right. (laughs) I can't remember, to be honest, what, what happens to him if he ends up shooting himself or like what. He... Because, yeah, they yeah, he does shoot himself because they it happens off camera and you seem you assume fragile did it. And then like in like the next chapter, she tells you, like, I actually didn't do it. Like I let him live and he killed himself or something like that. Uh, poor bastard. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that he was a good villain. I, I really liked the um, the gold like skull mask i thought that looked like very cool yeah like very creepy yeah i like when he became that big big old monster too yeah yeah that was that was cool that was one of the boss battles actually i thought that was like really awesome Mm -hmm. in the game yeah i thought that his story was uh was pretty good and uh he was like a good kind of villain to get you where you needed to go yeah yeah some of some of the characters are just they're uh they're more minor and even though he's presented as the main bad guy like i actually think his role is is more of like the side character even i i I like that i like the twist that really like there wasn't a there wasn't really like a final enemy you know not really yeah it was basically like mankind's nature is the enemy of the game and like the extinction of entity which like I still like I don't know if the extinction entity is a bad or good. I don't think it is a bad or a good thing. It's just a thing that happens. So, yeah, I thought that that was cool. And I thought it was cool that like really the whole conflict was between Fragile and Higgs and Sam just kind of happened to be there. Yeah. So, yeah. I liked yeah. It. Yeah. It's cool. Uh, uh, OK, let's go over some of the minor characters really quick before we get to the, the good shit at the end. Um, what did you think of Dead Man? <laughs> uh, he was OK yeah his he had like a smaller story and it didn't it wasn't really much of a story but he was kind of just like a likable side character for sure i thought he was like so goofy but like amazingly goofy 
uh it, it is like his his body is what did they say it's like it's like 70 percent cadavers or something like that he's like a, a frankenstein's it, monster yeah we uh, it's just like so absurd it goes without saying every almost actually it ends up being pretty much every character uh their name also describes them even like yeah. Sam Porter Bridges or Samantha America Strand or whatever. Then th- then there's <laughs> Dead Man and he's made up of cadavers. Yeah. And that that's good shit. I, I liked him. I thought that he was quite endearing. Like, he kind of reminded me of like, who's the who's the save girl in Metal Gear Solid 1? Mei Ling? Is that right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> He he was kind of like that calming presence. I I felt like every time I talked to him, I was like, he would okay. I I like this he guy. was like on your side the whole time too, because you know, like yeah, from the beginning, it's like, am I gonna trust a guy named Die Hard Man who has a sk- who wears a skull mask and is also constantly constantly like I get the objective like go go to go get your next delivery and then i go up to the terminal he's like sam your next delivery is ready take it and i'm like (laughs) i'm doing it man (laughs) so of course i don't trust that guy you know so like the like guy with the frankenstein head who looks like guillermo del toro and i i'll i'll trust him a little bit more I fucking love that scene where like he jumps into the shower with you to like tell you the that secrets. That was so yeah. good. That's yeah. the most memorable. That part. was so good. That and I like that they have to like reset Lou, and afterwards he like likes Dead Man. I I thought that was gonna go somewhere. Yeah, I I thought that maybe he was gonna steal him or something like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, but no, or I like just, do something weird. I like that he's just like always. He's just like yeah, the 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 baby likes me now too. I, and I think that there is kind of that thing in the game where it's like you don't know exactly who you can trust. Like from the very beginning, you can tell that like something's off and like not everything's what it seems. And like Die Hard Man is a great example of that where like he seems like everything that he says and does seems like he's like on the level with you. But like you just know that there is like something yeah. but, like Dead Man keeps on defying that. And like he is really got your back even at the end of the game when you escape with Lou. Yes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, he sets it up. He's all yeah, he's like undermining bridges, which I think was cool. Yeah, so minor character, but I really liked him. Um, let's talk about Hartman, and I can't talk about Hartman without talking about uh Nicholas Winding Refin. I don't know how you say his last name. <laughs> yeah. But but this motherfucker made one of my favorite movies ever drive, and he also made one of my least favorite movies that I've ever seen in my life. Neon Demon. Oh, which stars Keanu, which has Keanu Reeves in yeah, it. Yeah, I've still never seen that actually. Don't ever I watch lo- it. Well, I'm I'm gonna watch it someday. <laughs> um, okay, don't don't say I didn't warn you. Um, I I do love Drive though. I love that. Yeah, that's such a good yeah. movie. Um, um, yeah. So that was that was pretty interesting. Yeah, that he was just there. <laughs> he. He, I think, was, like, the weakest one to me. His uh, his story was, like, kind of okay, but, like, uh, what was it? His his wife and daughter died, and, like, he also died, and he was dead for, like, 21 minutes, and, like, every 21 minutes he has to, like, reset his heart or something like that. He died and, yeah, went to the beach, but then he was brought back, 
And so now, yeah, he dies every 21 minutes and is re and brought back. And he uses his time in the beach while he's dead to like try and find his wife and child. Um, yeah, I, I just really liked the the scene. You meet him and all that stuff and like where he you come in and he's he's dead, you know, and then he comes back. Yeah. And, he and then he has like the 20 minutes to explain stuff to you. And then he, it ends by him, you know getting back in his chair and dying. It's like, that's just a very memorable scene. Not, not like my favorite uh, character, I, but like everybody I think does have like at least a memorable. Oh, they moment. have, they have a hook. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say that he has the coolest uh, bunker of anyone that you visit. I love his little place up in like it's the snowy good region. Lighting, good vibes. It's like on the top of the snowy mountain. Bad. He gets uh, bad service, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I might have to tell my realtor to check out up, <laughs> up up a place yeah. like that. <laughs> that's that's probably um, yeah, the closest no, he... uh, point in the game to to you. I think that's up in the up in the northern up maybe up in the Rockies. You can't actually yeah, apply. That seems, yeah, that seems about right. You can't actually apply actual American geography to this game, but <laughs> <laughs> dude, what if the Death Stranding sequel took place in Canada? How sick yeah, would that be? Yeah, that's the whole time. I'm sure there's in the files. You can figure it out. But like, they're always talking about America. But I'm like, what about everywhere else? <laughs> what? Well, maybe he's just leaving room for more. Yeah, yeah. He can go through every country. I think, yeah, Canada would be the next logical step. That would be a good one. I imagine that it would be very cold, though. Almost it, every level is the mountain level. Yeah, <laughs> or maybe I don't. Maybe it's tropical. Maybe did Death Stranding really fucked everything up? That'd be cool. <laughs> yeah, because the the landscape doesn't look anything like America. So who yeah, knows what Canada looks could like? Look like. Uh, we could be a tropical paradise. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hartman was okay. He, uh, I think he he's the one that eventually explains to you the nature of the extinction events, though. So he's kind of he's kind of like an exposition machine almost. Uh, yeah, I think Dead Man is too because he's he's always uh, contacting you to like tell yeah, you. Yeah, that's true. And in fact, it's kind of silly, and it and like I think in a normal video game movie or video game, I would be like, "This is stupid." But in the mission where you have to track all across America, like when you reach a certain point, he will interrupt you and like. You know, it's like explain to you more plot details, like instead of you them happening, it's just like, hey, dead man here. So I got a little bit more information about Cliff <laughs> that I'm just going to like read to you right now. I'm like, OK, and then you go a little bit further, like another like third across the map. And he's like, hey, so I found something else. out. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is this is great storytelling. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to climb a mountain here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I can't wait to hear what you think about Mama. She was low-key one of my favorite characters Who, in the game because Mama. Yeah. She, her her story was, like, just bonkers. Like, bonkers. Yeah, and it was, that was, like, the one right after Fragile, right? So, like, that one's still, yeah. yeah. It still had a, that, to me, actually had some more to it than, like, Dead Man or Heart Man, I thought um yeah her her story was was pretty good i was actually um a little bit sad when she died in like chapter five because i i thought that there there was more to her story that could have been told 
Well, she didn't die, though. But... <laughs> well, I don't know. She, she certainly, like, what what did, what did she do? She was absorbed into so, uh, the... Log, what was her sister's name? Lochna? Lochna, yeah. So, Lochna, I guess, yeah. like, I didn't know... I guess it just plays into the theme about interconnectivity, but it, it sort of made me think about, like... I thought it was cool that they at least he was like trying to rationalize or take advantage of like, okay, like everyone's this individual person, you know, they're all they all have their own beach or whatever. But but how do conjoined twins count? You know, are they do they have separate souls or what? And I guess he comes down on the the answer that they share one soul. They yeah, they share one soul. And I think they share one beach. Is I that, think so. Yeah. So like, um, they're connected. Um, and like, I think Lachna wants to have a child, but she can't give birth. So Mama. Yeah, she. <laughs> yeah. So Mama gives birth, but then she gives birth to a BT, which is like that was crazy. Actually, what that was one of my favorite parts of the game when you finally get to Mama's place. I'm like you see the BT floating around and it's like the baby. Yeah. Especially cause she keeps, she keeps saying she's got a baby and you're like, okay. And then it's, yeah, then it's a BT. Yeah. Uh, but it's a harmless BT and, and it's very cute. Very cute BT. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so eventually she just like kind of fuses with her sister and we, and I should mention too, that the, uh, that mama and Lachna created the chiral network as well. So they're, they're pretty like, important characters yeah they're but, your tech um, support for sure yeah so i i thought that like that story was like kind of interesting but like i mostly just liked it because it was like like it was just so fucking bonkers like these twins and like you know, the the ovaries aren't working so the sister has to give birth but she gives birth to a bt and like of course she was like uh you know, supposed to have a cesarean section, but her kid didn't make it. Like, it's just, it's so crazy that I, again, I was just like, I love this. This is so wild. I did like there. Yeah. I like the scene where they, she has like the two eye colors. They like, yeah, that was like shot of that was cool. Um, that felt pretty powerful, but then, yeah, it's just funny. Then the rest of the game, it's kind of what you said. It just kind of ends there because like then the rest of the game, they just will throw in occasionally like Mama, that's you. And she's like, yeah, of course it's me. And, and he's like, oh, <laughs> and they keep doing that. And it's like you think you'd get used to it eventually. Yeah, it's it's just like so crazy that uh, I I don't so, know. She she stuck out she, to me more so than like Heartman or Deadman. She yeah, she dies. But then like. She her soul goes back and rejoins with Lachna in the same body. So they are like yeah. the same person still uh, for anyone at home who didn't understand what we we're talking about. It's it's just bonkers. I feel like this is if we should just encourage people to play Death Stranding and listen to this afterwards, like and give us your takes on these people, yeah. too, because it's it's pretty crazy. Um, OK, let's talk about. I actually think that he was my favorite character in this entire game, Die Hardman. And we could probably talk about Cliff at the same time too, played by Mads Mikkelsen, because yeah. they're kind of their stories are kind of interconnected. 
there's there but are stories I, really unfold to you kind of after the game is like sort of over yeah it's kind of cool yeah i i really liked that and that's where i was kind of like like i i liked the story between sam and amelie but like to me the real draw was like who is cliff what is his connection to die hard man what does die hard man really know about amelie and what do, like like what what does everyone actually know like what's actually going on because it felt like there was something much bigger happening right I, I I like again. I like the reveal. I like that the you get to the end and it's like, it's like okay, yeah. I haven't trusted this guy with the skull mask. Turns out like your mom was the one wearing the skull mask. Um, of yeah. course that's ominous. Of course, like the these people who are, <laughs> of course the powers that be are sacrificing babies under London Bridge. Um. You know, because the whole time I did have this whole like feeling the whole time of where they're like, we need to reconnect America and all that stuff. And I was like, is is like setting up the Internet for everyone really like what is necessary, you know? And then it to me, by the end, it <laughs> like it becomes more apparent that it's it's more about the personal connections you make with people. Right. And yeah. And so like the you're the hero, but like the the entity you're working for the company is it's not villainous like well it is villainous in that they're like again sacrificing babies but like in a realistic way you know where they're like companies right. like these were these were babies that unfortunately were already like well, dead I, I just right? mean like that there are there are like certain i feel like there are certain systems in the world that are they're evil but it's like it's like a systemic evil, you know, it's not like brought about by a particular individual, you know what I mean? So like this, like, of course, like there were these like skull faced weirdos leading it all. But it it was like even greater than that, you know, because they were like using what will eventually kill us all to like, you know, establish themselves. I don't know. It just felt like the issue here was like beyond beyond like what one or two people could be like uh capable of like held yeah. accountable for it was like it was even more messed up than ever and so but they were like well we're gonna go along with it but then you had like this other guy cliff who was like just wanted to save his son and i feel like that was the message of the game was that it's like you need to hold <laughs> your loved ones dear you know uh, it, yeah Totally. I, I think that the flashbacks that show, like, it was really weird that just a position between the, the flashbacks that show Cliff as, like, this really loving father, like, his wife is in the hospital, but then you see, like, the demonic version of Cliff um, constantly show up throughout the game and, like, hunt you down, or, like, you see him just, like, stalking people and, and whatnot. Like, he looks he, so he just fucking looks, cool. <laughs> he looks fucking yeah. cool. Um, but to go to Die Hardman for a second, yeah. I, um, like I, I thought that he was really fascinating in this game because like like I said like you you know or at least I I had a suspicion that like the company wasn't what it said it was it wasn't like who they were claiming to be there was something else going on and Die Hard Man is like the face and the voice of that company so it's like how much does he know and is he a good guy because like in like in the game, I was like, I really want to love Die Hard Man because I think he's a cool character. He looks badass. His name he's, is Die like, Hard Man. His name is fucking Die Hard Man. <laughs> like, literally out of James Bond. 
Um, but like, I liked him and I was like, I, this is going to suck if he's a bad guy and I have to like kill him or something like that. And that draw to me went throughout like almost the whole game. And I, mm. it was very satisfying to me to find out like at the end, like, you know what? Yeah, this guy is a good guy. Like he, he tried to do the right thing and it didn't exactly work, but like, you know, he, I, he at least yeah. isn't. I got the sight. Yeah. I felt like he was more of like. Like, I, I was expecting the reveal that he's, like, the big bad, and he's leading everything, and it's... Yeah, it's yeah, exactly. Evil. And I, I still do think he's, like, um sort of a a villain or something of the story, but or, or maybe not even that. It's, I guess, just that classification doesn't even work, you know what I mean? Like, I, I feel like he did, th- in the story, he was complicit in some awful stuff, but then, like, he had the sympathetic side to him, and he was trying to atone for that. And it was yeah. just compelling in a way that, like, I think a lot of great movies are where it's not there's not just clear. It's not even like and I'm not even talking about like uh, Black Panther where there's like a a gray villain. But I mean, like a truly great film where it's just like there's characters and you can't put them in these boxes. That's how I felt about him, where he he did these he like a lot of people. He did awful things. He but he had a personal side to him he did good things you know and that's just what makes up certain people you know see i i feel like for me the thing about die hardman is that his his biggest crime was like going along with the cover-up after amelie shot cliff and, and i guess to set the stage here so cliff played by mads mickelson and die hardman were in the army together yeah they served together and Cliff ends up in the hospital. His wife is brain dead and has uh, a child who, you know, we think is the BB that Sam is carrying around all game. So we see images of Cliff through BB's lens throughout the game. And, like, it's it's becoming apparent that, like, he he volunteered his wife and his, and his child to, you know, be part of an experiment for the B... Or, like, to make BT... Or, no, to make BBs, sorry... And um, it's not exactly what he thinks. And, like, when Cliff is learning the truth, then he's trying to break out his son and, like, basically escape the place. Um, And Die Hardman actually helps him do so. But Amelie finds out and is just like, no, this baby is, like, super important to, to our research with BBs and understanding BTs. So basically what ends up happening is Cliff... Uh, tries to escape, Die Hardman lets Cliff escape, but he's caught and both Cliff and the the BB uh, or the baby are shot by Amelie. And of course that they, they go to the beach and we find out that the baby is in fact <laughs> Sam Porter Bridges. So Sam Porter Bridges' father was Cliff, yeah. which is all kinds of fucked up. Yes. Um, that's the one, that's the one, uh, obvious silly metaphor that I didn't get till he plainly explained it like later in the game, probably cause it was the reveal, but where he goes, he's like, I've always been so closed off. I've been like a cliff, but you, you're my bridge <laughs> to the future. <laughs> it's like, oh my fucking God. Cause I thought, come on, that's good shit. Everyone has this you know, has these super expletive names or ex- explanatory names. And then there's just a guy named Cliff, <laughs> you know? So I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> but then even that had to be a metaphorical name. 
Uh, it is too bad that he didn't have like a really badass war name or something like that. Yeah, because like he he is the coolest looking character by no. far, right? Like, yeah, yeah, no, but I I I like that. I I don't know. There, there's something uh, appealing about that being like a late goofy reveal, and there, you know you're just like you're fighting a guy named Cliff. <laughs> um, I want to take a second to point out too that there is some like absolutely badass artwork of all the characters and it's done by the artist that did like all the metal gear solid drawings like the iconic ones of like solid snake liquid snake etc etc yeah people people that are fans of that should check that out it looks fucking sick yeah i'd play i play a cliff game (laughs) (laughs) dude i would play that every day of the week uh yeah so i i thought that this story between cliff and die hard man and amelie in particular especially when die hard man is like trying to basically kill Amelie, but on the beach, but he's not like a lie. I don't know. It was just like, it was very cool. I was into their story a lot and uh, I was, I was really liking it. Yeah. That, that, that whole part of the game was just wild as hell. And, and I love that it was like, like he said, it was like the, uh, like, like the ending of the game. Like it wasn't, um, like it wasn't the precursor. Like it felt like that was like the main event of the game, almost. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so there you go. I guess the last character that maybe we should touch on is Lou, who, um, as I said, we we assume that you're carrying around the BB from uh, from the flashbacks and stuff like that. But then we actually learn that that is Sam Porter Bridges. Uh, so the the BB that you've been carrying around, uh, Sam decides to name it Lou. And it turns out, actually, that that's short for Louise. And, um, you know, at the end of the game, you kind of get the bummer news that Lou passed away and that you have to go incinerate it before it turns into a BT. But then, um, then, fuck, you don't. He, and Lou just comes back to life. And I can't remember exactly how, to be honest, but that was a great moment. Yeah, Lou, he just wasn't dead or I don't remember. Yeah. And Dead Man kind of lets you get away and live your life. It was very cool. Yeah, very nice uh, epilogue. I, I liked that ending because it was like I felt like the whole the, like again the whole game is hitting you over. They're they're basically saying we we got to make America great again. The whole game is basically what they're saying, <laughs> and I'm thinking like this is kind of lame. <laughs> like and then and Sam is like like fuck America at one point, and I'm like. Sweet, I like this guy. But like I was like at the end of the game it's going to be like he's wrong. We got to use the internet and I'll be friends. <laughs> and I was like uh this is I don't know. And then at the end when he he you know, the thing that's connecting him all. Again, another really corny obvious metaphor are handcuffs, you know. I love that when he he takes off his cuffs, he burns the pod. You don't know, you know, you don't know what can happen to Lou outside of that pod. But you know what? He's just going to do his best and he's 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 going to stick with his baby that he loves. And I was like, yeah, that's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's about loving people. It's about connection. Yeah. yeah. Um, so actually, I'm, I'm reading here. It says that Lou is it's implied that Lou is brought back to life from Amelie, who still exists oh. <laughs> as an extinction entity. But I guess that makes more sense than Lou just kind of Amelie's was just, just like, fuck this, I ain't dying today. Amelie's just creating chaos left and right. <laughs> uh, so I guess we can infer that maybe Lou went to the beach and then Amelie 
brought it back to life. But I mean, fuck, last time she did that, they caused a death stranding. Yeah, but what what do they got to what do they got to <laughs> lose now? You know, that's true. That's true. I mean, you got to figure that these extinction events got to be spaced apart, right? Yeah, yeah. You can't make it happen any faster, right? Um, but yeah. So that you know, through the characters, you kind of learn about the plot of Death Stranding. Um, you know, it's it's absolutely crazy. It's absolutely bonkers. The characters are so memorable and so good. the The story is just it's 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 crazy. It's it's it has to be played to be appreciated. Um, and you know, I was really looking forward to talking about Death Stranding just because, like, I just appreciated it so much. It has so much character. It has so much, like, it, the the balls on Death Stranding are huge. Like, this game just goes for. Like it goes for everything that it want that it wants to go for, like with a hundred percent gusto, and I like so respect it for that. Yeah, I I think this is, yeah, it's just a truly, I don't know. I like a game that is it's ambitious. You know what I mean? And it's, it's, it's trying to be more than just like a, I don't know, like a your typical like big adventure game. It's put a lot of thought into very like yeah. normal elements that you wouldn't put emphasis on or you'd even shy away from because you would uh yeah turn people away but instead it's fully embraced them it's fully embraced the gameplay the story yeah i love it and i mean to be fair like death stranding doesn't always hit like sometimes it stumbles in in areas like you know like like we were saying there are points where it's like super frustrating um, I, I remember texting David, uh, who had played the game before we had, and then being like, what, like, what the fuck? Like, this is so frustrating, but like to stick with it, it just gets so much better as you go on. Um, yeah, I, I think that this is like, it, it was such a, it was such an ambitious story that I just, I, I loved it. And it still had all of the Kojima charm that I really like come to appreciate over the years playing Metal Gear Solid and all of his other titles. Um, that I, yeah, I was like, as soon as I started hearing those like bonkers ass descriptions of BTs and EEs and BBs and then seeing like monster energy, I was hooked. I love Yeah, it. I remember seeing like an early, some site I followed doing an early like reveal of it and just showing that you, you pee on the ground and a mushroom appears and other people can come yes. by and like it. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is absolutely crazy. And, uh, you know, I know it's not a video game movie, but like, I feel like this is fucking as close as you can get without being literally a video game movie. Yeah. What's what's I think is incredible about this is like, I don't you couldn't you couldn't make this into a movie. I don't think like and I don't think so. And not just because there's so much going on, but because so much of it, again, again, I think comes across from like just the act of climbing over a mountain in this game. You you just can't capture that. Like, you know, a mission that takes you, you know, 45 minutes to climb a mountain. Like what what do you, how do you do that? How do you capture that in in a movie in a show, you know? Honestly, even just like the small moments where where BB is crying and you stop and you're just kind of like, you know, you're you're rocking its pod. Like those are mm. I think those are the moments that that go 
the longest. Um, like for every for every big battle out or in like the mule camps and like giant BTs, like there's yeah, those moments are what really kind of elevates it. I think it's what has me skeptical about because they're making a Metal Gear, you know, movie. I'm skeptical about that too yeah. because it's not just the way it is because it like breaks the fourth wall, but because it does it in a specific way and because like the gameplay backs up the story in such weird ways. And I think when you take away that interactivity from it, it's not, I don't know. I there's, I'm sure you could do it. There's something unique you could do, but I'm just, uh, not even a negative way. I'm going to make an analogy. So in over on patreon.com forward slash virtual theater in our bonus episodes, uh, Gooey and I were just talking about the Watchmen on HBO and Goo was saying that he had been rereading the Watchmen. And one of the quotes from Alan Moore, who wrote that book, was like, when I wrote The Watchmen, I wanted to write something and create a story that could only be told through the medium of comics. And it showed off exactly everything that a comic can do. And I think that they really achieved that. And I think, I feel like Kojima is like the same way, but like he makes stuff that like you can only have in video games. Like only video games can give you the type of experience that that he makes yeah. you know what i mean like it can be replicated in a movie i'm sure but you don't it's not the same that's yeah that's why when like there's the discussion of like video games as art or whatever like people like to point to video games that like have cut scenes that resemble films which this does but i think it's more than just trying to emulate another art form you know what i mean like this game doesn't it doesn't try to be specifically a movie. It is it is a video game that likes movies, that yeah. likes books. You know what I mean? Like I think it it does incorporate a lot of things while still being unique. And it's not just Oh, 100%. Yeah. Compared to I don't know, like well, I can't even think of another game right now, but they're, you know, with cinematic cutscenes and all this stuff. It's like it's not just about that. That doesn't make you like you made a video game that's like a movie that doesn't make it that doesn't put it on that same level, you know? Yeah, I agree. I, and I think that was very apropos. Um, and, and probably that's as good a place to end as any. Um, Goo, do you have any final thoughts on Death Stranding before we before we get out of here? No, I we've basically covered it all, I think. Uh, this was this is what uh, another long one, I guess. There we go. Um, play it. Go play it. Yeah, like, I, I feel like we talked about some stuff, but, like, there's still so much that I feel like we left out or we didn't scratch a surface of or, like, just frankly, we didn't we didn't want to explain just because there's so much of that stuff in this game. But, like, yeah, you, you got to play this game. If you're... If you are into that kind of, like, narrative, like, really ambitious uh, storytelling, you are going to love Death Stranding. I feel confident yes. saying that. And it definitely does as a video game improve once you play it a little bit more. So yeah, I would, uh, I would totally play this and it's on PC now. So that's cool. Yeah. Or I think it's on PC either. It's, it's on PC or it's coming to PC. I think I want to go back and 
I want to do. I want to play all the Metal Gears. Dude, I would be so down for a Metal Gear replay. Um, but yeah, that uh, that is going to do it for this episode of Death Stranding. And uh, I was I'm really glad that we got to talk about this. I was for a long, long time thinking about the perfect thing to cover for my birthday, and I can't think of anything better than Death Stranding. By God, thank you, Hideo Kojima, for this daring game. I love it. Hell yeah! yeah. Thanks, Kojima. All right, Goo. Let's uh, let's get the fuck out of here. We've been talking for a long time. <laughs> of course, we want you guys to check us out over on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash virtual theater is the best place to support the show. Uh, throw us a buck or two and you can get all kinds of bonus goodies. Uh, we literally recorded a bonus episode right before talking about Death Stranding. So if you want to hear our thoughts on uh, the MCU Spider-Man situation, come and come and check us out over on Patreon. And of course, check us out over on Twitter. Uh, at Virtual Theater X, at Spateri316, and at Gooey Fame. And lastly, over on SoundCloud and iTunes and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts going, like and subscribe to Virtual Theater. Uh, that's it. That's all. We're out of here. We're going to be back with uh, another absolute classic next time. We have a winner for the Paul poll. And that winner, <laughs> whoever won, we lost. That's AVP, baby. Oh yeah, I'm so stoked to watch this. I am. I'm ready. My body My is body ready for is that. Ready. I haven't seen it since it came out. It's gonna be awesome. So yeah. Until then, we'll be back with AVP. 